We're going to be in Genesis 22 today, 1 through 18. As always, we have Bibles in the corner available for you. Um, we're going to be in Genesis 22, 1 through 18. So uh, Wired Magazine has this really cool article um, about the Boeing 777. Um, that's an airplane, uh, for those of you that don't know that. Um, they have something called the Boeing 777 fatigue test, and it's where an airplane goes through this crazy amount of testing. Uh, it's been tested to the equivalent of 120,000 flights, which is considered to be like 60 years of service for an airplane. Um, according to Wired Magazine, it says this, wings are often tested by stacking bags of sand on top of them to mimic the various forces that an airplane experiences while flying. For extended testing, cage-like structures are created around the airplane to force the wings upwards just to see where the breaking point is in an airplane. Then there's this other thing, it's called a static test. And basically what they do is they just try and see how far can we get a wing on an airplane to bend until something happens. And so um, they'll say it can go about you know, a certain amount. That's amount it should go. And then they say, how far can we make it go anyway? Let's just see how far. And so usually they can get about 150% of what it's supposed to endure before uh, it cracks. And they have cool videos of these like airplane wings cracking, which may give you uh, a stress. Uh, but it's kind of cool to see that it goes so much further than it should. And so what they do is they continue to test and to see how far can they get these wings to go, and then what do they need to do to see if it can go further? How can they make it stronger so that the wing can bend even further? That's the static test. And this morning we're going to see God bend Abraham much further than uh, you can imagine, uh, much further than I can imagine myself going. Um, He goes and he finds the most important thing in the life of Abraham, and he tests him on that very thing. So we're in Genesis 21, excuse me, Genesis 22, 1 through 18. It's a longer text. I'm going to give you a little commentary as we go through. That's kind of a common thread through Genesis, right? Um, So here we go. So we just, uh, we had Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. Um, Now Abraham went went out of town. Abraham's out of town and even sees it destroyed from afar when he wakes up early in the morning. And then sometime later, uh, we move on and uh, God is testing Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, the the Hebrew here uh, for only son is translated yached, um, which means precious or favored one. It's not like just, oh, go take your, your son that you like. You know, it's like, go take your most precious favored child and sacrifice him. Now, the term take is important too. Okay, so the word take, um, it's followed by a participle uh, that is na, which changes the phrase, okay? I don't know why, but this is super important for you to understand, okay? Um, God is saying, please. Um, God is saying here, uh, I beg of you, Abraham, to take your son. Why is that interesting? It's only used five times. And the, the five times that that is used, that participle, it is used when someone is being asked to do something that is incredibly difficult, incredibly hard, it's going to take bravery or is going to be a struggle or may even face death. 
So God is going to someone and saying, please. Uh, I, f- I find that weird, um, but it's kind of beautiful, right? Because God can do anything, right? And he's saying, would you please do this, Abraham? I beg of you. I'm asking. Um, God knows what he's asking Abraham is not something that he would uh, normally ask people. And it's a, it's a big deal even to God. So as I continue, I just want you to know, like, God's not taking this as some, like, flippant whim. God is saying to him, hey, I got something really, really big that I'm asking you. So verse 3, so Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. God, I love it, on the third day. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. So was Abraham lying to them? Like, we will come back to you? He said, we. Um, Or was this an act of faith? Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked out together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. And by myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? God, uh... Oh, you have proven yourself reliable. You have proven yourself trustworthy. You didn't need us when you paid the ultimate price for us, but you still paid the ultimate price for us. So I guess that means that you see us as special. Why would you consider us special? But somehow you do, and it brings us joy to know that we are beloved. Lord, would you teach us to trust you today? Would you draw us to lay down our prized desires and possessions, not just so that you can have them, but that you can have us? God, teach us to trust you today. Give us hope in you only. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm gonna give you three ways that Abraham was great but not good enough. 
Our first point is Abraham was available. He was available. He was there. He was listening. Even still in the story, it's not going to be about Abraham. (laughs) So even as I speak Abraham's name, this is not a story about Abraham. After all these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Those are important words that he used. He was listening to God. Abraham was constantly getting up early to commune with God. If you look at the word, you see him get up early. Um, Who else do we know in the Bible that gets up early to spend time with God? It's Jesus. So we have some good examples. I mean, Abraham had some whack things that he did in his life, but uh, we can look to Jesus and we can say, well, he got that one right. In Luke 5, 16, Jesus, um, he withdrew to deserted places and prayed. In uh, the book Mark 135, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Jesus. Matthew 14, 23. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. So we know it's important to get away and spend time with Jesus. We know it's important to get away, spend time with God. And we knew that Abraham would get up early and spend time with God and be available to God. Now, uh, we all have a different definition of prayer in this room. Like, everybody has a different definition. Um, I would say uh, your prayer is your relationship with God. It's you communing with God. And um, kind of the way I think about it is uh, I think about my uh, iPhone here. Uh, and I have a missed call from someone during my sermon. I'm not going to blast Felix for that. Um, so uh, it has an earpiece and it has a, a speaking segment, right? I thought about getting an old school phone, but... Who, I, like almost, yeah, nobody knows those anymore. Um, but when we think about the phone, it, you have to think about, like, what would a phone be like if it only had a speaking piece? What would that be like? I mean, it, was, it would be ineffective. It would, it would not work. Um, there would be no reason to have one. Uh, I, I suppose it'd be a little bit like a, I, I don't even know what that would be like. And, and, you know, I think some of us, too, we sit and we just listen to God. There are some people who only have an earpiece. Um, prayer is effectively both where we're listening to God, where we're uh, speaking to God, and where we're seeking Him like a true relationship. And I think one of the things that, that Abraham did, which I don't think we do as well, is he was listening and available. I think oftentimes, you know, if you're maybe like an achiever like myself, um, we read God's Word and then talk to Him. I get through my list. I'm like, I got to pray for these people, and then I'll move on. But Abraham, Abraham was available. It wasn't until I started jogging that I could hear clearly from God because when I jogged, there was nothing else to do but listen. I couldn't speak while I was jogging because I was out of breath. I couldn't sing. I couldn't do any of those things. I could only listen. And it it was those times when I began to jog before my doctor said, stop jogging, um, that, that I found I could hear from God in a better way. And it made me yearn to find those times so I could hear from him yearn to, to be silent. Now, I just get up but early so I can be with the Lord. Um, and I've just made it a, a part of what I do. And I'm not saying all of you guys. Some of you guys are like late night people. And like, just because Abraham and Jesus got up early, um, it's not a problem because he would also pray late into the night. So some of you guys who are more like late night people, which I don't understand you, and you invite me to things, and I, that's my bedtime, 
Thank you, Jen. Uh, that's okay to listen to God at night, too. If that's who you are, don't ever let um, the people who are early morning people like, make you feel like you're not doing it right. But the important thing is that we're listening to God, right? And the important thing here is that Abraham was listening to God so that he could hear something special and something super confusing from the Lord. So the question is, how are we making ourselves available to God? It's something to ask yourself. Can you hear him when he's speaking? Or do we spend so much time watching, music, uh, watching movies, listening to music on our phones that we're unable to hear him? I know that more and more when I go on a date with my wife, I hand over my phone to her. I present it to her because I want to be there with her. I don't turn up the music to where I can't hear her voice. I'm there and I'm present. Um, and let me just say, that's, I still get that wrong. <laughs> She's like, mm, not last week. Um, and then on a, lot of, a lot of times on our dates too, we don't just watch movies. Why is that? Well, because when we're watching a movie, unless it's like super soft and we're talking over it, then we're not, we're not speaking and communing with one another. And so I'd say to you, like, let's continue to carve out space in our lives to where we can hear God. I'm not telling you stop watching movies. I'm not telling you get rid of your phones, although I bet we would all be happier if we did. Um, but what I'm saying to you is carve out times to where you can hear from God. And so many of us constantly have hard decisions. We have things that we're working through. We have uh, burdens. We have addictions. Why don't we carve out that time to speak with God and ask for his help? You might pray, but are you just talking? There might be more to your relationship than that if you listen. Now, I know when a pastor says, pray more, that's like the most annoying like chore I'm throwing at you, but I'm telling you to, like, this is not like taking out the trash. This is not mowing the lawn. Um, although mowing the lawn has become a time that I really like to hear from the Lord, which is good for my garden if I do that soon. Um, but if I ask you to be available, friends, to meet with your favorite movie star, your favorite music star, like you would change your schedule like it wasn't a thing, right? Like, don't even lie. If I came in and I said, hey, do you want to go hang out with, like, say, like, Chris Pratt or, like, maybe you like Beyonce or something, you'd, like, change things around to go hang out with Beyonce. She's weird, but you would probably still go hang out with her. Um, but then when it's, like, the God of the universe, we're like, mmm, taking out the trash. Guess I got to meet with God again this morning. Like, mmm. You know, and it's like, like why, why do we make it a chore? Like, he doesn't want prayer to be a chore, he wants us to go to him and seek him, and he does something when we meet with him. He does something good when we commune with him. But I, I, I just know, like, this is one of those things where it's like, if I tell you not to eat candy, like, you're going to still eat candy, but how do you feel after you eat candy? Like, when you eat, like, like when you get a whole bag of, oh, how about, like, caramel popcorn, and you eat that whole thing, like, which... If you give me a whole bag of caramel popcorn, I will eat the whole thing. Or like if it's my birthday, if you give me like a, a, like my wife makes me a Rice Krispie square like this big and it's gone within two days. How do I feel after that? Not so good. Um, but then if you give me like healthy vegetables and you give me a steak and you give me mashed potatoes, um, they're nourishing to me. And so I, I think time with God is, is much less like a chore and more like nourishment. It's not like he wants you just to hang out with him and be bored. He wants you to feel the goodness of his presence. And sometimes he wants to drop a word to you that will help you. So, Abraham was available, right? The second point is this. Abraham was faithfully obedient. Now, even still, the story is not about Abraham. 
Verse 9, when they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac, placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. So Abraham was laying down his greatest blessing in his life, Isaac. Abraham was laying down his hope in his future, Isaac. Like, if you would go back in time and talk to a Jewish dude, okay, let's just talk about this. If you would go to China just a few years ago, um, it was all about having a boy. The number of abortions in China when they found out it was going to be a girl was astronomical, about 35 million in the last two decades. It was so important to have a boy to carry on the legacy of the family. Can you imagine ancient Jewish culture where everything was about the boy? And, and also, he'd been given a promise by God that everything would go through his boy. So we can look at it and be like, well, that's a super wrong culture and everything like that. But, but there's a lot of things that we do wrong, right, that we don't even realize. Let's look to what Abraham was feeling at the moment. And it was, this is your cherished possession. This is your most favorite thing in the world. This is what you had been waiting for. You were a hundo when this baby came along, and now it's going to be taken away from you. What, he, what has... What would he have felt there? Like, finally, I got what I've been waiting for. And 100 years is a, is a dang long time, right? Finally, he got this child, and God said, uh, yeah, I want him back. Like, how would that have felt as Abraham? This is my thing. God, you can have everything, but not this one thing. Make me poor, make me sick, but give me my heir. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey, the boy and I will go there and worship and then we'll come back. He said he was coming back. This man's faith was thankfully strong in the moment. We know later on and earlier on he like lies that his wife is a sister and all this stuff. But at this moment here, he has the strength and the faith probably because he's spending time with God and available to him. God asks for Abraham's faith even to the point of laying down his most, most cherished child. But God has something better in store for him. Are there things in your life that you um, are clinging on to that God is gently trying to pry away from you? Not because he thinks that like he wants to destroy you. Not because he wants to make you angry. Not because he wants to take something away from you because he's on a power trip, but because he desires better for you. Perhaps we're holding on so tightly to these things that they are uh, hurting our hands, that we are bleeding from holding on to something so tightly. God is gently asking some of us to let go of things because he desires something better and it may be time to trust him. When we desired to plant this church, we had no money, we had no people and we said the Lord will provide and we said we're going to do this because we think it's right and then people said to us, hey, you know, if you just go to that neighborhood, the Lord will provide a lot faster <laughs> and we said we feel like this is where God wants us. We knew we were called to it, and so we did it. I, I, I can tell you God calls me to a lot of things that I don't do. So this is not me trying to say, oh, look at, look at how awesome we were. Don't forget God called Abraham to leave his home country earlier as well. For some of you, faith is following God. For some of you, I'm just going to say, uh, faith is staying in southeast San Diego when it's hard. But even as you are obedient... You are not the main character of this story. 
Yes, Abraham's faith was great in this case, but God is better to provide the sacrifice. Bible scholar Victor P. Hamilton, he says this, appropriately, Abraham names this place Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh sees, Yahweh provides. That Yahweh would be God. I think you got that. Um, he does not call this site Abraham Shama, which is Abraham obeyed. The name does not draw any attention to Abraham's role in the story. So if we call it the Lord will provide, then we know it was never about Abraham providing, right? This is not just a story about Abraham's faith. This is a story about God's faithfulness to Abraham. And that is our third point, which is Abraham's sacrifice was great, but inefficient. Insufficient, not inefficient. That would, I mean, I guess also. Um, because the story is not about Abraham. Verse 17, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. So that's great. But God had to provide something else, right? This story is in the Bible because it looked like the only time God was asking someone to do something uh, that's completely unbiblical. Can I just say that again? Like, there's a reason why this story is in the Bible. A lot of times we'll think this story is prescriptive. And I just want to tell you, there's a story in the Bible that is showing you that there's a one-time thing that someone should consider sacrificing their child. Um, the reason why I say this is because if you're ever called to do something that is sin and you think it's God calling you, um, I would call you to check yourself. Um, God will not ask you to do something unbiblical, okay? Um, I have heard this. Let me, let me give you some. I really just felt like I wasn't in love with my wife anymore, and I met this amazing woman at church, and I just felt like God wanted me to be happy with her. And, and whenever someone comes to me with something like that, I say, um, that's sin. God doesn't want that. Like, I can clearly articulate, based on the word of God, that that's sin. And, and, when, and the thing is, is like, um, we like to kind of make ourselves available to God, but if we're not listening well, um, he goes to a really nasty filter, right? Like, God's Holy Spirit's word is perfect, and it goes through us, and then we interpret it in the way we want at times. So we have to be very careful when we're listening to him. Um, but I just want to say, like, if God is telling you to sin, it's not God. Can I say that again? If God is telling you to sin, it's not God. Because God hates sin. Um, so God saw Abraham's faithfulness and blessed him for it. But today, our blessing is less based on our goodness, and it's more based on his no matter how many sacrifices you make for God, it will never be enough to cover your sin. No matter how many sacrifices you make for God, it will never be enough to cover your sin. It will never make him like you more. Sometimes God will be calling you to put things on the altar. But he may not be calling you to do those things because he wants to see your obedience. He may be calling you to those things because it will cause you to cling to him more. It will cause you to trust in those things less. We now have a gift, and it's the gift of the cross. Now, we have to be really careful, though. 
is when we talk about the gift of the cross, we can see it as something that was cheap. And I ask you, when Abraham trudged up the hill and he saw his son, who by then was old enough to carry wood on his back, and he looked upon him, do you think he was excited? Do you think when he lifted his hand to kill his son, he thought, oh, this is easy? Of course not. Why do you think God would feel any differently? Why do you think the father would feel any differently about the sacrifice of his son, the pain of his son, turning his back on the son? It's not a cheap gift. It is a free gift, and there's a big difference. It was costly. If we're going to fit God into our lives, um, we cannot treat the cross like it was cheap. Friends, I'm not even talking about church. I'm not talking about Bible study, personal prayer right now. I'm asking what place does God have in your life, in your work, in your home? If the sacrifice was made for you, if the sacrifice was made for you, do you act like you've been given a beautiful free gift or do you take it for granted? Do you take advantage of the grace of God but not in a positive way? The lamb in the Bible, the ram in the Bible is a real thing but is a copy of the real thing. Isaac is a representation of the real thing. Your stuff, your things, your addictions, your reputation is a copy of the real thing. Did anyone have like cassette tapes? Because like I did. Um, and I know some of you guys didn't have cassettes and some of you didn't even have CDs and so just get off my back. But I had cassette tapes, okay? Um, and what we used to do is if we really wanted to hear a song like more than once, you know, we'd go on like 102.7 KISS FM in LA when I was at, and we would record the Humpty Dance onto a, onto a tape. And we had those, those cool things that they had was they had those double tapes, right? Um, and so what we would do is we would record it onto a tape, and then a buddy would be like, whoa, you got the Humpty Dance, Digital Underground? And I'd be like, yeah, dude, of course I do. Oh, sweet. Can, can I give you a tape? And can we, you know, can, like, that was like old school Napster, right? Like, we would have tapes in the double tape player. And so we would have a copy of a recording from the radio. And it usually had that annoying DJ talking over it. It had a little bit of the song before it coming over it. And it had another song coming after it and the stupid DJ talking over it. But that was like our jam. Like, we just got... Uh, a, a, like a, a song that we were just listening to for free. Like LL Cool J suddenly was a free for me. I suddenly have this. Um, but then sometimes you didn't listen to the radio, and so you'd ask a buddy, hey, do you have a tape, um, you know, of, of Young DMC, um, Run, Run DMC, uh, Young MC, there we go. Um, and like, do you have a tape of that? And they'd say like, yeah, I got it. I got it off the radio. I got it off Kiss FM. And so you'd say, hey, can I borrow it? Um, but then sometimes it would be, oh, my buddy got it off the radio. And uh, sometimes it'd be my buddy got it from a buddy from a buddy who got it off the radio. And so you would start to make copies of copies of copies of copies of tapes. And sometimes if someone had like used a really old tape and you were making a copy of a really old tape, it started to sound really, really bad. You know, where you could start to like not hear the lyrics right, where it would start to like scramble at different parts of the song, um, and then you would have to like go and try and see if you could get it off the radio yourself. All that is to say is uh, in our 1988 Napster, um, we had awful copies. Awful copies is the real thing. And then one day, 
my parents would take me to Tower Records, which was like a thing back then. And thank you. Um, it's not a thing anymore. Or, you know, if you had to go to the warehouse, you'd go there. Um, but we'd go to Tower Records, and we would get the real thing. And that's how I learned all the lyrics to the Humpty Dance when I was a little kid, which I would not advise to you parents to give to your kids. Um, but it's because I could hear it, because it was crystal clear, right? Because it wasn't a copy of a copy. It was the real thing. Friends, your good grades are a terrible copy of the real thing. Being nice to people is a terrible copy of the real thing. Giving money to church, terrible copy of the real thing. It's awful. Success at your work, success in life, success in sports, those are terrible copies of the real thing. They won't make us who we desire to be. We need the real thing. We need the original. And who's the original? It's Jesus. The original sacrifice, the right sacrifice, the good sacrifice. It's not those lambs. It's not Isaac. It's not even our stuff. It's Jesus only. So we can surrender our stuff because we want the real thing. Because they're getting in the way of the real thing. But those sacrifices do not equate Jesus. Friends, the Lord has provided a spotless lamb for your sacrifice. His name is Jesus, and he loved you more than he loved his own life. Do you remember verse 8? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. I don't think Abraham was lying here either. I think that he trusted God that much in that moment. I think he believed in the mercy of God so much so that he knew if he were obedient to what God had called him to, even though it was hard, that God would prevail and God had made a promise to him. Now the cool thing is God did use his offspring to save us all because Jesus is the offspring. Jesus is the son of Isaac, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And one day, he carried that wood up a mountain, up a hill called Golgotha, right? Carried the wood on his back in the same way. In John 19, it even tells us that he was carrying the wood up. And, and we actually think, many of us think that um, in John 19, it is referring back to that original sacrifice that was supposed to be the right and good sacrifice that was preempted because it was not. I will tell you, there are many things that are going to want to compete with you. They're going to want to compete with Jesus for your attention and your love and your silence and your peace and your hope. And those things cannot offer you what Jesus offers you. I will openly come before you, my church, and say there are times when I put my hope in this church. And I will be let down over and over again if I make this him. And so I I quickly and at many times want to open my scarred hands from holding on too tightly to this church and say, God, this is yours. This is your church. You love these people. Because another lamb was offered. A better lamb was offered for me. That lamb was Jesus. And Jesus left everything on our behalf, was willing to die on our behalf, was willing to be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And as we surrender our lives to him, he gives us a new and better way. And I encourage you, whatever things you're holding on to, and you know what, like, I feel like when I say that, for all of us, something burns. 
You get that little thing that kind of burns, makes your stomach a little, a little crooked. That's the thing, okay? So for me, when I was planning and going through this, it was clearly the thing that I did not want to uh, listen about. It was the church. And there's something inside of each and every one of you that is your thing. Your thing where you just know. You just know God says, I want all of you. Quit making that the thing. Make me the thing. There's a saying that God never gives you more than you can handle. It's absolutely wrong. God always gives you more than you can handle. Why? Because he wants you to turn to him. He loves you. Abraham had more than he could handle. Abraham didn't know what to do, but he just was obedient. He had more than he can handle. And I think, friends, that God will continue to give you more than you can handle. And so I encourage you, friends, to turn to him to be available to him when you have more than you can handle, to be obedient to him with whatever he calls you to do, and to understand that his sacrifice is all you need. You don't have to do anything to earn his love. You can't unearn it either. It's present, it's here, it's available. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to say to him, God, forgive me for my sins. I surrender my whole life to you today. It's simple, like Jesus got a guy to do that on the cross next to him. If he could do it then, you could do it now. Friends, there was a better lamb that was offered, a better ram that was offered. And Jesus is our better lamb. And I encourage you to surrender your life to him today. If you call yourself a Christian, I encourage you to surrender your life to him today and tomorrow and the next day and the next morning and the next day and the next because he's good and he loves us, and he wants better for us. Don't let this life be your cherished object. Let him be. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we hold on so tight. We hold on so tight to the things that we want, to the things that we have, to the things that we're worried about losing. God, to our kids, to this idea of what our life should be, we hold on so tight. God, would you ever so gently release our grip? Would you release our grip on our um, terrible ideas of what this life should be? Would you release our grip from the things that we think we can absolutely not live without? But God, we ask in your grace that you would pull us ever so gently pull us into your fray. You'd pull us deeper into your kingdom, pull us deeper into understanding of why you want all of us. And God, when you've given us more than we can handle, we ask that you would be close and that we would know you're close. Lord, we love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.